Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. I'm one of the pillar pastors here at Dayspring Church, and once again, we want to welcome you. We want to welcome all those who are watching us on the different platforms, uh, the media platforms, and we are just blessed that you have tuned in. We are blessed that you are here. It's better to be in the house of the Lord than any other place in the world. Amen? Better than Disneyland, better than Magic Mountain. We are in the best place to be, praise God. When you walked in, you should have received an outline. Uh, if you didn't receive one, just raise your hands, and one of the ushers will... Uh, I'll bring one to you. Amen. There in your outline, I'm going to read uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, starting with verse 17. We're going to go down to verse uh, 20 to 21, and then we're going to uh, go to verse 30. If you prefer your Bible or your Bible apps, you can do so, but it's there written on your outline, or in your outline. Praise God. Uh, it says, when he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? Verse 20 to 21. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Uh, verse 30. Then Elijah said to the people, come here. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been broken down. I'd like to preach on the subject, repairing broken altars. Would you bow your head as we go before the Lord in prayer? Lord, we just... I want to thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place, in our midst, in our hearts, in our lives. I pray, God, that you would speak through me, Lord. I have a lot to say, Lord, but it's meaningless if you don't speak. Convict, Lord, the, convict my heart, Lord, that, they, that I will be able to express the words, God, that I have through you, Lord. Convict the hearts of those who are listening. Move in their hearts. Move in their lives, God. And that your word will come alive. In the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And can the church of God say, Amen. You know, if you own a car, you know that eventually your car is going to break down. You know that it's going to break down, right? Especially if you own a Ford. But you're going to have to take it to a repair shop. You're not going to call a dentist. Uh, in your home, your plumbing is going to go bad. You're, you're going to have to call a plumber. Uh, you're not going to call a dentist or a mechanic. And when your life needs a touch, a transforming touch, you take it to the only source, the almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipotent God. You see, we don't serve a mundane God. We serve a mighty and powerful and awesome God. 
You know, the trouble wasn't, as it said in verse 17, where Ahab asked Elijah, are you the one that troubles Israel? You know, the trouble in many churches today is not the program, it's not the pastor, it's not the pillar pastors, it's not the worship team. The problem in many churches today is broken altars in the lives of God's people. You know, an altar was used to worship, it was used to sacrifice, it was used to bring an altar. An altar always represented a place of consecration. You know, the Bible says that before God gave the law, before God gave his law to Moses, the Bible says that men made altars wherever and out of whatever material was available. In the times of old, altars were built to commemorate an encounter they had with God. A profound encounter they had with God that made such an impact in their lives that they built altars. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and David, and, and Gideon all built altars and worshipped after they had a unique encounter with God. You know, an altar usually represented a person's desire to consecrate himself fully and absolutely to God. When God had worked in that person's life in such a way that that person desired to create something that was tangible, something to memorize it. Also, an altar was a symbol of things to come. You know, when a person entered into the court gate of the tabernacle, the very first thing that they would see was the brazen altar. And it reminded them that they were not worthy to approach a holy God without first bringing a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice for their sins. You know, God's plan for humanity called for a spotless, sinless sacrifice. And only Jesus Christ met that requirement to, ascend, to atone for the sins of the world. Christ was sacrificed on the altar of the cross. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Jesus died as a sacrificial lamb just as the lamb and the sheep had died many on the brazen altar many thousands of years before him. And if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, well, let me tell you that you can do it this morning because he is the only one that can give you life and life abundance. Can someone say amen? You know, an altar today, today an altar is your life. It's your heart. An altar means that we offer everything that we are and everything that we have to God. The Apostle Paul put it this way there in your outlines in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 to 2. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice. Not a dead sacrifice, living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I like what verse 2 says. And do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will, good, pleasing, and perfect will. Peter also mentioned this in 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, there in your outline, he says, You also, the living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Now notice, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So my question for you this morning is, how 
is your altar? Turn around to your neighbor and tell him, how is your altar? How is your altar of prayer? How is your altar of worship? How is your altar of service? How is your altar of sacrifice? How is your altar of consecration? How is your altar of faithfulness? You know, in our text, the Jewish nation had broken apart. And you can read this in 1 Kings chapter 12. Solomon's son, Reboam, was unable to maintain national solidarity. And the northern ten tribes split and formed an independent nation. Follow me here. And the leader of the northern nation, Jeroboam, didn't want his people going into Judah or Jerusalem to worship at the temple. So the Bible says that he established centers of idolatry where the people could go and worship. And the northern kingdom of Israel became idolatrous from the very beginning of its inception. You know, the Bible says that time had passed and something worse happened. In 1 Kings chapter 16, the Bible says that a king arose to power by the name of Ahab. And the Bible says that Ahab was the worst king that Israel ever had. Not only that, the Bible says that he married a pagan princess by the name of Jezebel. Now, if you're pregnant and you're having a girl, don't name your babies Jezebel. <laughs> it's just associated with evil. You know, Jezebel, the Bible says that the, she was the most wicked woman in the scripture. She viciously promoted the religion of Baal and Asherah and, and, and worshipped it, which combined the demonic forces, sexual immorality, and child sacrifices. And you can read this in Jeremiah chapter 19. And she unleashed a purge against the priest and the prophets of the Almighty God. That's when God raised up the most dramatic of all the Old Testament prophets, the prophet Elijah, a mighty, mysterious, miracle-working man who was defiant and determined to stand against the evil of his, day, of his age. I believe that in this last hour that we are living in today, we need men and women like Elijah who are going to stand up, hallelujah, against the evil of this age. Can someone say amen? I believe that God wants to raise men and women in this last hour that we are living in today to stand up against the evil of this world and raise the banner of truth and raise the banner of righteousness and raise the banner that we do belong to an almighty and all-powerful God. Can someone say amen? You know, someone in the past had once built an altar to the God of Israel on that mountain, Mount Carmel. But it had been forsaken. It had been forgotten. It had been neglected. It had been broken down. And the Bible says that Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord. Now I wonder if there is an altar in your life that has been broken down. Hallelujah. You once knew the Lord. You once walked with him. You once lived for him. You once loved him. You once worshipped him. But now your altar has crumbled. Your spiritual life has crumbled. You see, broken altars is a symbol of a forgotten God. These crumbled fractions are mementos of a forsaken love. Of broken covenants, of dead worship and polluted sacrifice. 
And I believe that in this last hour that we are living in today, church, we need to stop playing church. I said we need to stop playing church. We need to return to the almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, our God who loved us first and gave his life for you and I. It's time for us to return and rebuild the altars that God has established in our lives. Now, how did it lead to this? How did it lead to this? Notice 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 6 to 7. It says, our fathers have forsaken him and turned away their faces from their habitation of the Lord. And what? And have turned their backs on who? On God. They have not burned incest or offered burnt offerings unto the God of Israel. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 27. They have what? They have turned their backs unto me and not their face. But in time of trouble they will say, arise and save us. Jeremiah 32, 33. They have what? They have turned their backs onto me and not their face. You know, God's word rings loud and clear. How could we have missed it, church? From one prophet to another, from scripture to scripture, and from tragedy to tragedy, God warned us of the tragic consequences of broken altars. My question to you is, why are we not hearing the voice of the Lord? Now, could it be that we have turned our backs on the Lord? Could it be that we have turned our backs on the Lord? Can't you see the hooks? and the fetters, and the captivity. You see it all around you. The drugs, the compulsive behavior, the pornography in your life, in your family, and in your nation. It's because they have neglected, uh, they have neglected God. We have forsaken our personal and private times of intimacy with Him. And we have pulled our shoulders from Him. And we have showed Him our backs instead of showing, a, showing him our faces. Now we must decide who is the Lord. Look at what verse 21 says. And Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. You know, Israel was waving, wavering between two opinions. God was the one who had brought them out of Egypt. And Baal was widely worshipped. It was time for a decision. I tell you, church, today it is time for a decision. You know, they still worshipped God. They had one foot in and they had one foot out. They still worshipped God. But because it hadn't rained for more than three years, among many things, Baal was the god of rain. And, and because it hadn't rained for more than three years, they, the, the, the worship of Baal increased. It's nothing new. Look at what Joshua chapter 24 verse 14 says. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him with sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt. And serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your father served in the region beyond the river or the God of the Amorites in whom, 
land you dwell. But as for me and my house, come on somebody, we will serve the Lord. Hey, parents, we need an attitude that in this house, God reigns. We need an attitude that in this house, it is a house of God. Praise God. Can someone say amen? You know, Joshua, at the end of his ministry, at the end of his life, Joshua called the people for a final word. And he challenged them to remember, to remember the goodness of God and to remain committed to him. We, we should never forget how good God is. Three said amen. I said we should never we should never forget how good God is. God brought us out of the miry clay and set our rocks on foots to stay. God brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We should never forget where God has brought us out of. Hallelujah. You know the nation of Israel. Praise God, after 400 years of slavery, God brought them out of slavery and they were murmuring and complaining how soon they forgot. They were in slavery for over 400 years and they complained to Moses, Moses, you left us out here to die. Praise God, they have forgotten that it was God who sustained them, who gave them life. We should never forget that it was God who deposited his spirit upon our lives and gave us life beyond what we could ever imagine or hope for. God is good I said God is good all the time let's give God a hand praise you know regardless of their decision he was determined to serve the Lord and we too must be committed to serve the Lord no matter what praise God you know in Revelation chapter 13 verse Revelation chapter 3 Verse 15, some of the harshest words that Jesus spoke to Christians were spoken to the church of Laodicea. There he says, I don't know if it's in your outline, he says, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either or. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Another translation says, I am about to vomit you out of my mouth. You see, when we're wavering between two opinions, we are lukewarm. James tells us that a double-minded person is unstable in all his ways. And there's nothing Jesus dislikes more than lukewarm Christians. Hello? So the challenge for each of us today, we must first ask ourselves, am I wavering between two opinions? If you are wavering or lukewarm, let me tell you, it's time to make a decision. Amen. Will you fully follow the Lord or will you fully follow God? You can't have one foot in the church and the other foot outside of the church. Either you serve in God or you're serving the devil. I said either you're serving God or you're serving the devil. You can't come to worship on Sunday morning and raise your hands and sing God is good and, and, and in the afternoon go to the honky tonks or the, or the nightclubs and say you're a Christian. Come on, somebody. You are either a Christian or you're not a Christian. Either you are serving God or you're serving the devil. You cannot come to church and say you're a Christian and you're sleeping around. No, sir. 
it is time for us as believers to make a decision whether or not we are going to serve the Lord or serve the world. I, ouch. Come on. Ouch. You know, when I met my wife, when I met my wife, she, she, she's still fine as wine. She is. <laughs> well, I don't, I, I rarely drink wine. I don't drink wine, so I don't know what wine tastes like. <laughs> I do, but I don't like it. You know, but my wife, she was a vegetarian. She liked exercising, and, and you could see her outside of church. Hey, Amen. She's taken, so brothers. <laughs> you know, she was a, you know, when she, when she was pregnant with my first daughter, my first daughter, my only daughter, what am I talking about? <laughs> I don't have any other daughters, sweetheart. I really, I don't. I don't. No, I don't. I don't really. But. You know, when she, was, when she was pregnant, you know, she began to gain weight. And, 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 you know, she started to exercise. And she was a vegetarian. And she started to gain weight. And she had this bicycle. And she would get on it. And she would run. And I asked her, Grace, are you pregnant? She says, I don't know. I say, what do you mean, I don't know? Either you are or you're not. <laughs> Either you are pregnant or you're not. There's no halfways, praise God. Either you are a believer or you're not a believer. Either you're following God or you're not following God. And I hate to break it to some of you. There's no purgatory. There's no in-betweens. Either you're making heaven your home or you're making hell your destiny. Amen. I hate to put it to you that way. But that's the truth of God's word. We must decide. You know, there was a man in the New Testament by the name of Eutychus. And he was on the third floor and, and he had one foot in and one foot out. And he wavered and he fell. His name was Eutychus. You know why they named him Eutychus? Could you cuss if you'd fell too? <laughs> but he fell and he died. And Paul said, Paul, the Bible says that Paul left the worship service and went to this man and Paul said there is still life in him. Let me tell you that if you are wavering between two opinions, it's time to come back. If your altars are in ruin or in broken, it's time to come back. There is still life in you. God is still the ruler and the majesty of our hearts. God can still repair. God can still use you. Your dreams are not broken. Your life is not broken. Put them in the hands of the Lord, and I guarantee you that God will bless. You know, many believers are wavering. They're lukewarm. And they're blending their sins with the world. But God is calling us to radical holiness. To separate ourselves from the world. And we must take a stand. Church, we must take a stand for godly principles. Why do I say this? Because there is a battle going on between the light and the darkness. And we must be God's people in this last hour. We must be God's people in this last hour. Can someone say amen? See, you can't walk with God holding hands with the devil. Hey, man, I know Brother Manolo's coming up there and he's making, maybe I should leave now. God has something for you. The Bible tells us love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of God is not in him. 
You know, the Corinthian church, they were notorious for this. They had one, one foot in, one foot out. They were suing each other. You know, when they took communion, they only invited the, 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 the very rich and they were abusing the spiritual gifts. And, and Paul shatters their mentality by telling them, hey, don't you be deceived. Don't you know that those who practice unrighteousness will not inherit the kingdom of God? And he tells them this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 21. You cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have part both in the Lord's table and in the table of Satan. You know, before the fire can fall, we must first repair our altar. What am I saying? Well, Fire symbolizes the presence and the glory and the power of God. He revealed himself, Moses, in the burning bush. In the wilderness, the Bible says that God led the people by a pillar of fire. As Solomon dedicated the temple, the Bible says that the fire fell from heaven and the glory of God Feel that whole place. I believe God can feel this whole place with a Shekinah glory. Praise God. When Daniel saw the vision of God's throne, he saw a firing flame and the river of fire coming forth. John the Baptist testified and he said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he cometh after he, me who's mightier, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. What we need in this last hour that we are living in today, church, is a consuming, eliminating, empire, empowering fire of God to work in our lives. Amen. Now how can we have this fire? Well, the first thing that he did was he repaired the altar. The altar was repaired. Look at verse 18 to 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here. And they came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones from each of the tribes, descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. You want God to manifest his presence in your life, in your heart, in your family. In your church, the very first thing we must do is repair the altar. The very first thing that Elijah did in preparation for the coming of the fire was he repaired the altar of the Lord. You see, idolatry and apostasy had been prevalent for such a long time that God's altar had been broken down and Elijah now engaged in repairing the altar of the Lord. You know, broken altars just didn't happen overnight. Slowly but surely it became neglected. You see, that's how sin, uh, that's how, that's how sin works. Amen. Slowly, but it's like cancer. Slowly but surely it begins uh, to spread. Amen. You see, a drug addict didn't become a drug addict by smoking. Amen. Uh, I, I've never been a drug addict, so I don't know. <laughs> you know, with a, 
A lot of drugs, right? He, he began with one by one. Uh, a drug didn't become a drunk, amen, just by drinking a, a keg of beer, amen. But slowly but surely, amen, that's how it happens. You see, sin separates us from God. Just ask Adam and Eve. The Bible says that when they sinned, they were separated from God. And Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord. He took 12 stones, which represented 12 tribes. Now, he didn't build a new altar. The Bible says that he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been broken down. You know, he took away the vines. He took away the weeds and he cut them away. He had taken it all away. Amen. And he repaired the altar of the Lord. Now, my question for you today is, what do you need to cut away? What, are, what is the things that, that are hindering you from moving forward in the kingdom of God? He repaired the altar of the Lord. It had been active, but now it, it was neglected. It had been acting for the worship of the Lord, but it had been neglected. He repaired the altar of the Lord. What do you need to take away? What do you need to take away? What weeds and thorns are hindering your walk? Maybe you need to take away that boyfriend or that girlfriend that's hindering you from, from, from moving forward in the kingdom of God. Maybe you need to take away that pride. Maybe you need to take away that adultery. Maybe you need to take away porn, pornography. What is it that is hindering you from moving forward in the kingdom of God? You know, when, when God looks at our hearts, does he see an altar broken down and covered with weeds and vines? How does it get that way? It gets that way by being neglected, out of use. That's how it breaks down. And before the presence of the Lord can, can fall, before the fire fell, Elijah had to repair it. Colossians 1.8 says, Who is upon the throne? The Lord Jesus himself. Who is first in your life, your sin or the Lord himself? The second thing he did was the sacrifice was offered. In verse 33, he said, He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, laid it on the wood. Then he said to him, Fill the four jars of water. And he poured it on the offering and of the wood. The sacrifice of the bullock. The Bible says Elijah cut it into, into place, piece by piece, to the altar. It was a bloody mess. It was a bloody mess. Some of us come to God. We're all messed up. Yeah, two said amen. amen. God can take that heart and he can transform it. He brought this altar and cut it into, it was a mess. I don't know if you're a mess this morning, Brother Steve. I don't know your life, and I don't want to know it, but, but I, I can tell you that I know someone who, who can change it, who can transform it, who can give you a new life. You know, the Bible tells us that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have, have gone away. God has made everything new. I don't know if your altar is in disarray, it's neglected. It needs to be repaired. And if you're in a mess, I can tell you that God can take your mess, place his spirit upon it, and give you his power and make you into a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm a mess. Yes, I am. Turn around to your neighbor and tell him you're beautiful. You're a beautiful mess. 
I tell you, the, the most beautiful people in all of Los Angeles come here to Spring Church. Yeah. Especially the one that's sitting over there. That's my wife. <laughs> Romans chapter 6 verse 13 tells us, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Now ask yourselves this. I'm almost done. <laughs> ask yourself this. How many pieces of my life have I really offered upon, offered to the Lord upon the altar? How many of my members are yielded fully to him? as instruments of righteousness. What about my hands? What about my feet, my ears, my lips, my home, my jobs, my job, my pleasure, my friendship? Have I yielded them all the pieces or members to him? Have I? Third, he dug a trench and water was poured. Look, he arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces and laid the wood. Then he said to them, fill four jars with water and pour it on, on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, and he ordered, and they did it a third time. And the water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. You know, the pagan priests were notorious for their trickery in deceiving people of the false false signs and, and lying wonders. Now, what does the water speak of? It speaks of the word. How would we know that they are false prophets if we don't have the word? Mm. How will we know that they're false doctrines if we don't know the word? How will we know when they come knocking to our door and says, hey, don't you know that you can live on this earth for eternity? Come on now. The devil is a liar. How will we know? You know, the water speaks of separation. The word separation. The word of separation. The water separated Elijah and the water separated Elijah's altar from the prophets of Baal. We are to be holy because he is holy. Amen. Amen. You know, we are living in a world that has been infiltrated and influenced by the, rule, the rulers of darkness. Now, it even seems that the rituals of the world have even crept into the church, it's sad to say. And as Christians, we must wave a banner high which reads, Holiness is still right. Amen. Amen. Often Christians are no different from the world in the way they think, yes, and the way they talk and the way they dress and the way they entertain themselves. And let us never be ashamed of the fact that we are out of step 
from this world. Amen. Let us never be ashamed of who we are, what we believe, and hold our convictions to be true. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is power. Praise God. We should never be ashamed to call ourselves Christians. We should never be ashamed to say, I am a believer. We should never be ashamed to say, I belong to a true and mighty God. Can someone say amen? amen. Instead, let us strive to ensure that it remains that way until Jesus Christ comes. If we begin to lower our standards today, we will soon be no different than the myriads of the people around this world who have forfeited the power and the presence of God to gain popularity and praise of men. The only praise that I want is praise that I give to God and praise of the Almighty God. Last but not least, the prayer was made. Look at what Elijah says in verse 37. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so the people will know that you are the Lord, our God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. You know, Elijah was a man of prayer. Elijah was a man of prayer. You know, James makes reference to Elijah. He says that Elijah was just like any other one, any other, any of us. And he prayed. Elijah was a man of prayer. It was a habit of his life. He did not only pray when he was in trouble. Amen? You know, that's, that's a testimony to us. The only time we pray is when we're in trouble. You need to pray before you get into trouble. Right. Amen. <laughs> and just, just a, a shameless plug here. I don't know if shameless. I don't think it's shameless, and I shouldn't say that. But this Saturday we have prayer. Amen. Amen. Come and pray. You know, people will show up to concerts. They'll show up to marriage conferences. Marriage uh, conferences of parenting. But prayer meeting. Few will come. Ouch. Oh, brother, don't say that. We never have high attendance in our prayer. Why is that? And I'm going to tell you why. Because Satan knows that if he can keep us from praying, he can keep us from changing. Amen. The effective prayer of the righteous man can accomplish much. We are living in an arid and desolate generation that needs the rain and the fire of God to fall upon us. And it will if God's people would pray. If God's people would pray. That's right. See, this afternoon, your altar is in disarray, your altar has been neglected. Where's Mark? Mark, you can play something. There he is. <laughs> I knew where you were at this time, brother. I was just making a joke. <laughs> Altars are memorials of times of, of God meeting us. A memorial of God's greatness. 
You need to go back to that place time and time again. Your altar must always be a place where you encounter the Lord, where you have an ex an expectancy, amen. I'm, I'm poor I sometimes uh, uh, mess up my English and Spanish of the presence of the Lord. I don't know how your altar is this morning. I don't know if you neglected your altar. Paul said to, to analyze our sins. You bow your heads. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord. Lord, we need to meet you where you are. Amen. I don't know, God, the, the times and the situations and the circumstances of your people, but I do know, God, that you are a God who listens, a God who can transform and change our lives. Lord, if there's someone in this place who has been struggling with the issues, I pray, God, that your spirit may move and indwell and bless them. Touch their hearts, Lord. Give them your presence and your power, God, that they will be a standard of righteousness, of truth. Believing, God, that you are a God who can do a miracle. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.